Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film The Princess Switch 3, Romancing the Star. You do not have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. It's Christmas time. Time when we talk about bad films, mostly. Christmas time. Paddy loves shit films. <laughs> I can't deny it. I'm just eating this reindeer muffin from Costa Coffee. Has it got real reindeer in it? Mm-hmm. Nice beefy flavour to the sweet muffin. I've, have you ever eaten reindeer? No, I haven't. I assume it tastes similar to venison. I've eaten reindeer. It was very nice. You remember a couple of years ago... In fact, the last trip abroad I had before COVID was in February of 2020. And I went to Sweden to the Arctic Circle on this charity thing, which some listeners donated some money to the National Literacy Trust for. So thank you very much to everyone who donated. Um, yeah, it seems like a lifetime ago. And we were in this, this cabin in the middle of the Arctic with no central heating, log fires and stuff. It was amazing. And a lot <coughs> of the meals were reindeer based. So it's like reindeer meatballs and stews and stuff. Really, really nice. Excellent. It's, uh, so, sorry, it, sorry, kids. Reindeer tastes nice. That's why Santa's not coming this year. Paddy ate all your reindeer. Rudolph, I the taste of the lot. Yeah. I ate Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Chancer. <laughs> Necromancer. And Necromancer. Yeah, my, that's my favourite reindeer. Yeah. It's uh, the gift of eternal life through death. Yeah, I mean, what what greater gift could there be for Christmas than eternal life? <laughs> exactly, living forever as a skeleton in the thrall of a wizard. Yep. So yeah, I'm, you see, I didn't give you a silly background today. I was uh, downstairs, so that um, I'm not recording upstairs, so that other people in the house can go to bed if they want to. But yeah, you'll have seen my Christmas tree. Have you got yours up yet? No, so we're going to do decorations this weekend and hopefully pick up a tree at the same time. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I'm pleased it's now Christmas. I do love Christmas, and yeah. I'm excited that uh, that we are now in the Christmas world of movies as well. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that's obviously one of the best things about Christmas is Christmas movies. We've already watched Home Alone, which yeah, we, we won't talk about. But we've watched that, and and we watched the new one, Home Sweet Home Alone, as well. So I'll save my thoughts on that for another episode. But we watched those two. And then, obviously, this week, we came around to watching The Princess Switch 3. So that, I'm not laughing. That was that was a sneeze. But it sounded like <laughs> I was laughing. So it might as well have been. Um, you were laughing at the sheer beauty that is The Princess Switch 3, Romancing the Star. Romancing the Star, which I assume is supposed to be like Romancing the Stone, which is a film, but I don't know what it is. It's... It sounds like something that Kevin Costner would have starred in in like the <laughs> late 80s or early 90s. That's not about that thing and is actually boring. By which I mean it sounds like Dances with Wolves, which I've also not seen, <laughs> which does not have any actual wolves in it. Okay, boring. Or dancing. What an outrage. Or it doesn't even have any dancing. Oh, it might have. It might have. Boring. Um, you're not far off uh, a Kevin Costner 
80s movie. It is not boring and about nothing. Um, in fact, we should watch it for the podcast sometime because it is romance-based. Um, it does have romance in the title. It How does. many films have we talked about that have romance in the title? There was that one, Isn't It Romantic, that had the Hemsworth saxophone boy. I yes. like that one. Um, was there one called Sweet Romance or something? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, but very, not enough films have romance in the title. No, and that, that's what's good about Romancing the Star. Um, but Romancing the Stone is uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner and Danny DeVito. Oh, and she is a she is a romance novelist who then meets up with a charming uh, Indiana Jones esque type played by Michael Douglas, and they go on a little adventure in the jungle. So he's the stone. He's the stone. <laughs> She's the romance, exactly. So he's a sort of like a big big stone man, like an Easter Island statue. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, we should watch it sometime. It's got a good. Um, it's got good vibes for this podcast. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we should we should definitely watch it sometime. It's, cool. Uh, well, yeah. I'm very grateful to it for lending its title, sort of, to this week's film, um, the Princess Switch Three: Romancing the Star. Yes. And what did you what did you think of the Princess Switch Three? I quite enjoyed this. Yeah, I thought it was a, a very fun and silly caper, much like the other two. But what's interesting about this one, I guess, is that you've already had two films of it. So you sort of know what to expect, but it still went in directions that weren't completely expected whilst also being entirely predictable at the same time. But that's what you watch these kind of films for, right? Yeah. The way that I saw it is this is what the Christmas Prince sequel about cryptocurrency should have been. (laughs) A crypto prince. The crypto prince, exactly. Um, if you remember, there's that whole conspiracy and diplomatic crises uh, in one of the Christmas Prince sequels, or possibly both of them. They kind of blend together, don't they? Because um, it was both of them. Both of the sequels had a constitutional crisis at some point. <laughs> yeah, I think, in exactly. fact, I think all of them did. All of them did at some point, yeah. But but one of them really went hard on it and had the crypto. It might have been the middle one. Um, and and this movie, yeah, the third one didn't need crypto because it had a baby. This is a rule about films: you can never have both cryptocurrency and babies in the same film. Are you suggesting that people are into cryptocurrency have never had sex? Ergo, there's no babies in their lives. That's exactly what I'm suggesting. Yeah, <laughs> so's crypto. I mean, have you boys. seen those crypto people? <laughs> I'll give you an NFT of me drying my eyes with your salty tears. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, "I'll get you an NFT of some sex." <laughs> Which would just be pornography. Yes, yeah. Um, which, again, they would not understand. What's that? It's not got a terribly drawn monkey on it. I don't get what that is. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not something that I can massively inflate the value of for no reason because the world is ridiculous and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can't buy into this thing that was blatantly once used just for money laundering uh, and now has got a bunch yep. of weirdos involved in its cult. Uh, ergo, I don't understand if it's not that. a weird scam perpetrated by billionaires, I don't want to know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, for me, Princess Switch 3 is what those sequels should have been. In that it's kind of a, a heist movie, a conspiracy movie. It's it's basically the film Entrapment, but with Vanessa Hudgens in a bad Hallmark Christmas film. It even had like a laser room thing, yeah, just like yeah. an Entrapment. I remember that film. Yeah, it, it had sexy dancing and laser room. 
pretty much side by side in what was clearly an obvious nod to Entrapment, I think. I think that was one of the first ever films I saw that had sexy dancing in it. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. I remember thinking of being about 12 or 13, maybe, and thinking, wow, Catherine Zeta-Jones is very attractive in this film. <laughs> and Sean Connery, very attractive in that film. Oh, yeah. Um, we yeah. should we should watch that at some point. That's got sufficient romance. It's a sexy movie. Yeah. And 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 what is sex but love shortened? So yeah, it's a face. love love comma shortened. Now that sounds like a an indie cult romantic comedy that everyone loves. love love sh- like girl interrupted or something love like that. love shortened is um it's about a bakery where they fall in love. That's what it obviously is. yeah it's a it's a love bakery. Um, starring who would be good in love shortened. Oh, well, obviously Vanessa Hudgens is is everyone's favorite baking person, baking nun princess queen person. So <laughs> it would have to be her. And Sean Connery. Yep. <laughs> um yeah, that's exactly what it would be. Love shortened. Yeah, that's a, it's enough of an age gap. Or is it that, like he's a retired baker who needs to come out of requirement because they need out of retirement, sorry. Can't even talk today because they need his special shortbread recipe or something yeah i mean the, the, the one problem here is that sean connery is dead yeah um, it might make it quite difficult <laughs> but death is no barrier to film these it's days it's true we could see star wars films we could cgi us. him in um no who, there's definitely enough footage of him that, that is technically possible as grim as that would who be. would be a young sean connery who could be in love shortened then so you've got vanessa hudgens hmm who has a beard I always struggle to think of actors with beards because they don't have beards all the time, obviously. I mean, Oscar but Isaac has a big old beard. That's that's a true. lot of the time. His beard in June was very good, wasn't it? Or, or or Jason Momoa also has a good beard. Yeah, and generally huge hair. So maybe Jason Momoa, because then you could get a lot of comedy out of him having to wear hair nets all the time. I would love that. Yeah. So okay, so we've got Jason Momoa. So like he's going to tame Hutchins. the wild beast that is Jason yeah. Momoa. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like a sort of indie mumblecore rom-com about, do you want it to be two rival bakeries or one bakery that's hired a new baker? I feel like it's got to be one and that it has to be about him sort of not, him being reluctant for whatever reason and him being some kind of party animal or rock star or something who's fallen on hard times and needs to learn how to bake. See, I was thinking he was a rock star baker to begin with. So here, here's my outline. Feel free to poo-poo it. He, he has a rock star bakery that isn't doing too well at the moment. And so his business partner forces him to take on a more clean-cut baker. A rock star so, bakery? You mean like Greg's? <laughs> Greg's, but with X's instead of G's. Greg's. Greg's. Greg's it. Um, Greg's. Um, and so, so yeah, his business partners, the, the money men behind his operation are like, look, you've got to stop pouring vodka over the pies and setting it alight as a show for the press. <laughs> Even though that's what everyone loves on his YouTube that's, channel. That's what everyone loves on your YouTube, but they don't want to eat the burnt vodka pie. He's like the salt bay of pastry. <laughs> yeah, ba- yeah, yeah. Pastry salt bay. Pastry. Yeah, pastry bay. Um, and they're like, look, we've got this professional in. Um who will come in and you know have a look and we can work out how to go forward and make some money um and so obviously there's that reluctance and then she gets frustrated at him being like let me put vodka on the pies this is the whiskey pasty yeah <laughs> etc um and she's like no I'm, i needed to make some milfoy and he's like milfoy 
Mill fuck you more like. <laughs> yeah, um, he's rude. He's, he's arrogant. Rude. He's a bad boy. Hang on, this is something like a hero finds Tiffin film. <laughs> she, he's she's trying to make some souffles, but then he's playing a really loud guitar solo, yeah. and it keeps making them sink. Um, and and that's but how eventually, physics works. <laughs> that's how physics works. <laughs> um, but eventually, they they grow to respect one another, and she adds a bit of vodka to her baking, and he adds a bit of competency to his baking, and they fall in love, and then they're like, "Hey, fuck you, money men." We're going to go do our own thing now and have a moderately rock and roll bakery. Yeah. And then they, they go and find their own middle of the road bakery, the cold play of bakeries, which everyone loves. Um, meanwhile, the money men get embroiled in a crypto scam and lose all their money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. someone, we need someone to play the evil money man. Someone like Chris Cooper, someone like that. Who, yeah, who then like invests it all in, in weird monkey images. And at the end, you just see him crying while his computer's just flashing loads of like, eight-bit images of ugly monkeys at him and going, we cost a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. We, we've we got all this money. You can't see any of it because it's all tied up in drugs yeah. elsewhere in the world. And then Jason um, Momoa walks in and, like, puts his laptop on the counter and then, like, finds the same image and right-clicks it and saves as. And then Chris <laughs> Cooper screams so loud that he dies. <laughs> I feel like the the um the crypto thing is kind of taking a bit over now though to be honest. Yeah, sorry, I'll rein it in a bit. I'll rein it in. I, I he doesn't have it... to die. He can just be upset for a bit. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, maybe we we leave out the crypto altogether and we just have a traditional money man. Yeah, who um, invests spe- in bad stonks. Yeah, exactly. Um speaking of Chris Cooper, have you ever seen the movie Breach? No, I have not. I assume he plays an angry, aloof father in it. No, no, he does not. It's a, it's a, it's an FBI spy thriller, but it's like a real spy thriller. Okay. Um, so it's not about driving cars off cliffs. It's just a very, very tense, dramatic movie with him and Ryan Philippe. Well, that sounds boring. Um, it's incredibly good uh, with uh, Laura Linney in it as well oh, your fave um and uh yeah it's it's extremely good i highly recommend if anyone wants a, a boring old man film uh you know what i mean the one that your dad loves <laughs> then then breach <laughs> is is a perfect dad film where it's like oh this is just really dramatic and it's based on a true story about spies the one that your dad um, loves the born identity meets tin cup because <laughs> dads love golf exactly that's exactly it um so yeah breach is actually very very good i highly recommend uh, if anyone's into that kind of thing there you go likes chris cooper to to watch breach but there is there is espionage of a sort in a princess switch three isn't there there is yeah actually that side of things was really goofy and enjoyable wasn't it it was so you've got uh like shadowing people you've got yeah sneaking around with a big dog you've got jumping over lasers you've got pretending to be another one of the triplets which happens an awful lot and yeah you knew that was going to happen at some point but they left it till almost an hour into the film which i think was a smart move yeah because because the obviously the first movie had all of that had prince and the pauper going on that's effectively what the first movie was um second film then introduced the rogue wild card evil other twin um but then this one, interestingly enough, I was expecting there to be like seven more Vanessa Hudgenses. Yeah, and there was going to be some kind of cloning plot. Um, uh, a bit and like there'll be a that? witch, witch's witch plot. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, what, what's what's that incredible TV show? Uh, Orphan Black. Have you seen Orphan no, Black? No, I've never seen that. I always think that looks good. It's extremely good. And yeah, that's all about various clones, all played by Tatiana Maslany, who does an amazing job of making all of them feel like very unique characters. Um, you know, I, I love Vanessa Hudgens in these movies, and I think she does a good job of making the different you know, different Vanessa Hudgens clones in these feel different. But um but Tatiana Maslany really does an incredible job um of it. And, you know, she won awards for her performances and rightly so. Um because it's yeah, a truly great T V show and she kind of holds it all together. I mean I was expecting it maybe to have like one extra twin, something like that, two extra twins. But no, they stick with the three and they pivot to focusing really on the evil twin in a redemption arc which was an interesting choice and I'm really pleased that they did that here because it's like okay yeah they could have gone back to baking twin or queen twin but instead they went for evil twin who wants to steal their money I was and, very very happy to see her back yeah yeah and I think the fact that they focus so much on her um kind of makes this movie work I think if they tried to do too much with the others it would feel like too much of a repeat but instead they it gave them a little bit of room to grow and, and they probably also recognise that they'd done that in the first two films as well, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, so, exactly. so we're not going to do that one again. We introduced this goofy character that everyone liked in the last film. Let's do that and get her ridiculous henchman back as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, played by... Um, Hench people. Uh, <laughs> uh, Florence Hall and, and Ricky Norwood. Ricky Norwood famously playing the iconic EastEnders character of Fat Boy. <laughs> um. <laughs> he didn't seem like a large man in this. <laughs> No, I think it's a it, it's not a accurate name for his body size. Uh, is it one of those Cockney things? Uh, his name is Arthur Fatboy Chubb. I assume because his surname is Chubb, that's why he got the nickname Fatboy. Right. Um, he started off, or or maybe not started off, but do you remember they did a a spin off of EastEnders for a little while called EastEnders E Twenty? Oh yeah, what was that? Which was that meant to be like a very year two thousand ridiculous futurism gone wrong thing <laughs> like the, that sounds like the kind of thing that would have been on screens in the millennium dome <laughs> no so what it was it was an attempt to have a hip eastenders for young people oh no um which didn't it didn't go too well um but it focused on a, a collection of younger characters including fat boy um and uh, yeah, it was meant to sort of be this this place for younger audiences to get into the EastEnders cinematic universe before migrating over to to the main show. Um, and I don't think it did too well, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it it um, I think it was only on uh, um, I think it was only on iPlayer or uh, for BBC, and maybe they did it on BBC Three as well. Yeah, BBC Three or BBC Four, the channels that were well down with the youth and wicked <laughs> times and stuff. BBC Rant Four was the never that. B- BBC Four was showing old footage of Pink Floyd playing a gig in your mum's basement. That's what, <laughs> Pink, that's what BBC Four was. I know. I'm, um, th- I'm thinking of BBC Three, which always had loads of like. Programs that look like Hollyoaks, but dialed up to 11 on TikTok before TikTok existed. <laughs> but to be fair, they also had quite a lot of good comedy on BBC Three. I think it's a bit of a shame that they they closed it down because um, a lot of interesting comedians got their starts there. Um, and instead, now all we've got is Mrs. Brown's Boys. 
Uh, which I yeah. think is the only thing that the BBC creates now. It is the BBC that does Mrs. Brown's Ball. It is, it? yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so EastEnders E20 was meant to be this young hip thing, and that's where Fatboy came from. Um, yeah. But then he migrated into the main EastEnders show. Right. But then, obviously, has gone on to bigger and better things, because who wants to be in one of the longest-running soap operas of all time when you could be in these bloody brilliant movies, to be <laughs> yeah, honest? Exactly. They're great. You know, um, it's going to come around once every year, and you're like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I'll I do be that. In it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's great to see uh, Reggie back. It's great to see Mindy back, the two little hench people. Yeah. Um, when and- they're having their little conversation over the, the walkie-talkie, and they're supposed to be doing spy stuff, and there's like, that code's not working. Why don't you just Google it? Stuff like that. Very <laughs> funny. <laughs> um and then uh yeah you've you've got all of the cast coming back as well so you've got uh the prince who looks considerably older than the last movie i was gonna say gonna he, he got some jowls didn't he <laughs> yeah he's 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 true to form they're doing what happens to the royal family of this country where they age horribly due to their inbreeding my main um, man from nashville yes yeah um old sam Pagliardo, um who does a uh, a perfectly cromulent job of being a, a monarch yeah. Again. Um occasionally and, uh, walks into rooms and says things. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't really have a lot to do in this movie. They find something for him to do at the end, but before no, that he's just, he's just kind looking of there. confused. There's one bit he, where he's swept up in the thrill of his wife pretending to be someone else, which is quite nice, isn't it? And yes, the, yeah. the romance in this I think is quite strong, isn't it? And you know, you got got to see evil cousin Fiona having her romantic attachments, which was very nice. Um, because she got her moment in the sun, but also with the other two, they sort of allowed them a bit of time to show them having a romantic time, which was really nice because you don't always get that in a film like this, do you? It's not always going to give you that. It's like, it's just going to be sort of there and it's going to be like, oh, well, the last film showed them getting together and now they're together and it's all fine. It's like, actually, it showed them keeping the romance alive, which was lovely. Yeah, often they just kind of um, disappear into the background. But yeah, it was nice to see see old King King Edward or Prince Edward. I don't know if he's a, a king yet. Um, or and then we get uh, the other bloke as well, Prince Kevin. Prince Kevin is back again with his daughter, <laughs> and is in is about again, two scenes. In about two scenes, and he has less to do than than the other prince i think but, he was really underutilized actually basically yeah. the only time he was there was worrying about when his daughter's flight was going to turn up and then being confused because they all looked like evil vanessa hudgens and going oh what's going on i'm really confused yeah um so yeah he maybe could have been used a little bit more to be honest because the first film was loads of him wasn't it it was loads and he was very very charming and it would have been nice to have a little bit more of him and he wore a lot of nice um, jumpers yes he did wear a lot of nice jumpers um so yeah so it would have been nice to get a little bit more of him in this but uh but still the scenes he was in were very nice but apart from that uh obviously you've got the vanessa hudgens show going on but we also get introduced to charming handsome man number three yeah for the third love interest um and number four as well <laughs> yes yeah um who i wanted to call robert maxwell but his name is <laughs> peter gonna, maxwell I was, gonna, I was gonna say that exact thing peter <laughs> maxwell it's like Oh, what what would like a an arrogant English person be called? Yeah, we'll name we'll give him a name that's quite similar to the yeah notorious pension fund embezzler <laughs> Robert Maxwell. Exactly, but but he's um he's a good little character yeah. and well played again. Um and yeah, I think. 
they do a good job of making the three male bits of himbo fluff quite different, don't they? Yeah. There's and then there's the there's the other guy, so who looks like a sort of Poundland Hemsworth, doesn't he? Oh, the the wrongen. The wrongen. Yeah. 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 He's not the real love interest. No, he's a distraction. Um, he's the distraction love interest. But he's he's a rich crypto guy, isn't he? He's he's the crypto guy. Yeah. It's but not speaking said, of, but I can feel the crypto energy. <laughs> but speaking of crypto guys, did you notice the the cameo? Yes, Simon from the Christmas so, Prince. So crypto Simon from the Christmas Prince is back, and he's here for one scene where he goes, "Hello, I'm from Belgrave, Belgravia, Aldovia, Aldovia." Bel- Belgravia is the one from the Princess Switch, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one where like they've just taken the name of a posh part of London and made that a country. They've not even bothered to think up a name. Yes, and then Aldovia is the one from a a, prince, a Christmas prince. Yes, yeah, that's the creme yeah. de la creme of fake country names. Yeah, so so he turns up here, old Simon, he, and he's there for one scene going, Hello, do you not remember me? I'm Simon from Aldovia, and gives her a cheeky wink. Yeah, which I As very I- much enjoyed. Yeah, it was a nice little cameo. He was there. and I'm, uh, I'm hoping for, obviously, a crossover where actually everyone from A Christmas Prince is in this and there's some kind of, like, their countries are at war with each other or they have to get together to save the UN or or stop Brexit <laughs> or something. Like, that's the film that I want. A shadow has fallen over fake, fake <laughs> Europe. Fake Europe. A spectre only... is haunting fake Europe. <laughs> and only... The spectre of cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> and and only the combined efforts of Belgravia and Aldovia can stop this coming threat. Um, and then, yeah, it's just a it's a it's a diplomatic thriller about them sitting around a a, a table, yep. trying to find some kind of diplomacy with this weird bunch of crypto bros who've bought out the the kingdom next to them with monkey pictures. Yeah, and then the knight from that one where Vanessa Hudgens met a knight from the past at Christmas appears, and he's like. What is all this doing now, forsooth? And then he runs off. Yeah. He chops off someone's head and then runs away. Yep. Um. <laughs> the night before Christmas. That's The, the night one. before Christmas, yeah. I can't um. remember if that was last year or the year before, because the years are all blurring into one now. <laughs> they do all blur into one at the moment, don't they? COVID has ruined my sense of time. Yep. I just remember that there hasn't been a new Christmas Prince film for two years. So we're definitely due another one. Yeah, give us another Christmas Prince. What's happening with that? Not that gonna... I'm saying the Princess Switch films aren't filling that void, because they are, but I have a particular soft spot for a Christmas Prince. Yeah, I, I there's something magically shit about a Christmas Prince. It's more sappy, isn't it? It's more yeah. sort of like trying trying to be sort of emotional. It's not goofy. There's not a major goof factor to a Christmas Prince, is it? It's a different, it's very different tonally to this, even though it's essentially the same thing. Yeah, they're, they're quite, even though they both go after Hallmark, uh, time-sensitive romantic movies, um, they're, they're quite different beasts in the way that they go about them. Um, th- this has got a lot more razzle-dazzle. The Beast of Belgravia. <laughs> Whereas a, a, a Christmas Prince has a lot more spina bifida. <laughs> There's no cure. <laughs> um, That's a line that, from the film, by the way. That is, yeah, we're not just being mean. <laughs> that is a line from the first movie if you've not seen it. Um, it's, uh, But yeah, they're, they're very different. This is a lot more glitzy. It's a lot more bombastic in its approach. It still feels cheap, but deliberately so. Um, but it works, doesn't it? There's something nice about it. it they They all 
I, I like these Princess Switch movies. Absolutely. It revels in its own cheapness. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and everyone seems to be enjoying themselves. That's the thing that I think really makes or breaks these kinds of films. If you, you, can, you can always tell if the actors are just phoning it in or if they're like, well, yeah, this is going to be a week's work and who cares? I feel like everyone in this is actually invested in it and having fun. Well, I mean, one of the main things that you can recognise about that is the lack of recasting. Yes. Given, given how much recasting happens, particularly at the moment where people are finding it difficult to travel, um, there's... The, the I mean, they had to recasting. recast everyone in after the after series. In, in after the three, two. yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, whereas here, everyone's back. Um, and, and it's nice. They've got the same director again as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's clearly something that people enjoy doing. And if they enjoy doing it, then you know they're going to keep doing it because there's a there's a there's an audience for these people like them absolutely although interestingly when i opened up netflix to search for it i saw that the other two princess switch films were at the top of the like recommended trending films and this one wasn't so maybe people think they have to watch the other two to be able to watch this one which you absolutely do not (laughs) i don't know about that it I gives think... you the storybook Disney opening flashback thing. I, it's fine. I think, I think you need to witness the glory of the others before you watch this film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, no, I, I, think I think you should watch them in order, but should should you happen to walk into a room where this is playing, you're not going to struggle to pick you it can, up. You can 100% recognise what's going on. Yeah, you don't, need to, you don't need to worry about having a difficulty understanding it um so yeah but it's it's a it's a um it's a perfectly fun little movie again though isn't it i think often you find with netflix and this is something that i've critiqued them for before when they do sequels they run out of steam pretty badly yeah um we've talked about a lot of films like that haven't we yeah but this one um this one works and i think this is one of those rare examples of of netflix pulling off the trilogy well um because even even the christmas prince films i i sort of was getting a bit tired of them at times you know i enjoyed them still but there it is diminishing returns with them whereas here i think this one's just as good as the first sequel absolutely yeah no the 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 other two christmas prince films were sort of a lot of ridiculous moments over some sort of thin fluff weren't there. So it had enough ridiculousness to make it enjoyable, but it wasn't actually consistently funny or enjoyable the whole way through, whereas I feel like these ones were. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um, they, they, They dare to do something a bit different without ignoring what people enjoyed about the ones that came before. Um, and I think, you know, th- this movie is not really a rom-com <laughs> as such it's it's a silly little uh slapstick comedy heist movie a lot of the time but there are some highly romantic moments aren't there yes, there's a yeah, bit where yeah. she has a dance with robert maxwell on the ice isn't there yes yeah no and you've like got all a, of those nice little moments a sexy pop music like ballad plays oh we're gonna bone in the snow that's how it went wasn't <laughs> that's it? how it went yeah yeah I definitely have to try and make that into that song. <laughs> oh dear! Um, For Christmas yeah, songs, it's... you haven't really surpassed yourself since your cover of um, that shouty Kelly Clarkson one that you did a couple of years ago. So we need <laughs> we need to something to replace that this year. Okay, shall I shall I do a little bit more of a strong version of Bone in the Snow then? For yeah, go on then. Bone in the Snow. This is okay. the. 
the new Christmas anthem. It's like a bit like Stay Another Day by E17. Is that kind of vibe? Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> yeah, I think a Christmas I think maybe ballad. That. Yeah, a little a little Christmas ballad. Maybe we'll go a little bit more, you know, classic with it, a bit of white Christmas. Oh, oh, so you're you're a crooner. Are you about yeah, to croon I'm, for I'm, me? I'm crooning it. I'm crooning it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, bear with. This is going to be a train wreck. Um, oh, we're going to bone in the snow. We're going to get hot and steamy in the cold. Get those marshmallows toasting. Because we'll be roasting while we bone in the snow. How's Beautiful. That? That's perfect. That's that's really good. <laughs> One take. Done. I'll definitely be able oh, to find something that'll, go, that, that'll work with. <laughs> Some old crackly Christmas some, song. Yeah, some old, some old, uh, yeah, crackly uh, vinyl. They used to have those kind of horny songs, though. It would be like on the, somewhere in the middle of side B. So you know, you've had your mince pie and your wine, and you've listened to the first half of Bing Crosby or Nat King Cole or whoever it is, and then you get halfway through and you're almost half asleep, and then suddenly Bone in the Snow comes on, and you're like, through a haze of booze and mince pie and turkey, you're like, what, what is Bone going in on? the snow? You just hear Bing Crosby going, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas while I'm watching you undress. <laughs> well, that's just... Oh, um, dear. Baby, it's cold outside. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I'm, bone, in, bone in the snow is, is nowhere near as horrible as baby, it's cold outside. No, no. But bone in the snow is a good old-fashioned horny anthem. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we should release it. Release it for charity. Oh, we should. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, right. So, uh, Princess Switch 3, though, it's got a little bit of a horn section going on. There's some there's some horny dancing. It's vaguely they, horny, isn't it? They, they, they make reference to needing to go and see his big Christmas tree. Yeah, at one point as That's well. That's true. Which, which, yeah, is uh, is is a little bit surprising because the first of these movies is very unhorny. Yeah, and there's a, there's a, a horny tango, isn't there? There is. There the, is a the, horny tango. The, the Hemsworth man, fake Hemsworth fe- man, <laughs> fake Hemsworth. It feels a lot like the dance scene in, and I don't know if you've ever seen it. There was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Um, called True Lies. No, I never saw that. By, it's directed that. by James Cameron, and it's basically James Cameron going, fuck it, I'm going to make a James Bond movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and that's basically what it is. And it's amazing. And that's got like an erotic dancing scene or two in it. And it really reminded, this is what, that's what Princess Switch 3's horny dancing reminded me of, actually. That's the one thing that's missing from Bond, isn't it? I bet there was none of that in No Time to Die. What, horny dancing? Yeah. Yeah, I get. I guess there isn't a lot of. I, I think maybe. Have you seen it? Maybe Brosnan. No, no, I've not seen it. It was. It was in cinemas, and then I don't know if it's still in cinemas, but I'm it probably is. But, tired. Yeah. I'm a tired old man now. Same. Um, <laughs> I'm never going to go to the cinema again. But I, I imagine. Um, I imagine Piers Brosnan maybe did some horny dancing in one of his movies. I feel like he did. Yeah, he must have done. But I can't imagine. And, and Roger Moore undoubtedly must have done some horny dancing at some point. Yeah. But you can't imagine Sean Connery doing it. And D- Daniel Craig, no, 100% no, absolutely no, no horny dancing. And um, no offence to Billie Eilish, who I massively respect as an artist, but I don't think her music really lends itself to that. To, to horny dancing? Yeah. No, that's true, actually. Good good groovy dancing to some Billie Eilish stuff, but but horny dancing, not so much. No. And at least not to that one that's on No Time Today. No, no. That's, um, yeah, a bit bit too... 
Bondy to horny dance to. Too Bondy. That's the problem with Bond. <laughs> Too Bondy. <laughs> Too much James Bond. Not enough horny dancing. So that, I think the Princess uh, Switch 3 kind of absolutely nailed that balance, didn't it? It had just enough sort of fake James Bond nonsense, didn't it? It did. It did, yeah. It, um, it, yeah, it managed to really tap into that heist movie nonsense. Uh, um, Ocean's Eleven, but all eleven of Vanessa Hudgens. That's effectively what this is. That's what and this they do film that, could have been. That's, that's where they should go with it next. What, what? Where do you go from a heist? You go with a bigger heist, surely. So Princess Switch 4, they steal the literal crown jewels from Britain. Yep. They go over to um, the Queen, following up from the jokes that they made about corgis in this film. Yes. And they're like, yeah. hello, the Queen, we would like your crown jewels. And here's some tech stuff that means we can have them. Because that Peter Maxwell guy always seemed to have like a touchscreen with some holograms going on, didn't he? Yeah, he was a mad hacker. It was all about them hacksaws to to, to tap into things, etc. Um, w- one thing I did like, though, was the very old-fashioned um indiana jones-esque thing where she just puts that pair of pliers down yeah. <laughs> to counterbalance the weight in like, okay yeah that's great that's great for all of the technical nonsense that they've got going on just putting that there is very good but i i think you know part of the reason why these movies work so well is that vanessa hudgens is very charismatic um and i think again it really allowed her to show off that charisma here again um which which was nice to see Absolutely. And again, you, you got the feeling she was enjoying all of the roles, but definitely the, the evil cousin, the most of them all. What's her name? Yes, Fiona yeah. Pembroke? Yeah, I think that's right. Yep. Um, yeah, Fiona, Biona and Siona. Yep. Are their three names. <laughs> no, it's Stacy and Margaret. Margaret. Is it, is yep. it Margaret? Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a good old... Good old romp, and all of their characters are suitably different as well. Allows her to to really, and you know they're not the most deep characters. They put, add a little bit of depth into into Fiona's character in this movie, which is appreciated. They gave her a tragic bo- boarding school past. <laughs> exactly, because exactly. no one ever has fun at boarding school. That's not a thing. It's that true. It's true. Everyone hates boarding school. It's basically Lord of the Flies, isn't it? Well, yes. no but i I always feel a little bit defensive about that kind of thing because obviously this is very kind of woe is me from my privilege but i went to boarding school and i had a great time so i always think it's a bit of a cliche that you know to say that everyone who went from boarding school had parents who hate went to boarding school had parents who hated them but like this film plays up to that cliche and the whole thing with her mum is very sappy and stupid and not really necessary but it's there isn't it it yeah. adds a bit of emotional depth to her character and you're like, okay, fine, whatever. It's an excuse for them to play like a sad pop song in the background while she's crying about her mum. Yes, I'm sad my mum was not always there for me because life. And now this is the reason why I became evil in the second movie, but I'm good again now. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe I'll be evil again for a bit. Oh no, it's okay. No, I won't. I'm, I'm not going to be evil. Um, it's all right. the, the mum I've got as fake well. Tom Hollander to drive me around in a van <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about that guy and the first time I saw him on screen I was like it's Tom Hollander oh it's, no it's not it, yeah it's fake it's fake Tom Hollander Frank Frank Hollander <laughs> played by uh, Mark Fleshman uh, who is in other stuff um, most famously as prosecution barrister in four episodes of Coronation Street <laughs> 
that does seem like he's got the right face for that kind of role. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, no, it's it's nice to have uh, have uh, have fake Tom Hollander back and doing a perfectly good job as as fake Tom Hollander as well. He, his cover when they go they go to the party, he's in some kind of pink onesie, isn't he? It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And he's um, getting a and, cup of tea and a cookie from the van when it's time to go. That was a nice moment. Yes, and, th- and that weird little elf guy reappears. Do you remember the elf guy from the other two movies? Elf guy? Yeah, the person who hands her her coat at, uh, when she leaves the party in this. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, He's like a little, I don't know, some kind of Christmas spirit or something that's never really fully explained. He's a Christmas uh, carrot. In, 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 the other, in the other films. And he's back again. It's uh, yeah, always always got to have these recurring things back to tie these movies together. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it does a good job. I, I I enjoyed this. This is a very good movie to start off our run of Christmas films with. Yes, definitely. You don't want anything that's going to be totally awful to to sort of ruin it for you, and you don't want anything that's going to be like an amazing and serious Christmas film at this point, do you? You want a, ge- a gentle introduction. It's going to make you laugh, have some goofs. It's yeah, this was perfect from that point of view. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Um, I'm very glad that we we started with this one. Yeah. And did it have some, like, strange puns in it as well, didn't it? There was a lot of puns in the script that I kind of appreciated. The nun saying, after prayerful consideration. <laughs> yep, exactly. All of that kind of nonsense. That's a thing. Um, it's a, Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, uh, shout out as well to Amanda Donoghue as the mum as fiona pembroke's mum um she does a very good job just in a very small role here yeah do we know her uh, from anything else so she is do you remember liar liar the jim carrey movie hell yeah there's a link between that and the film we're talking about next obviously but yeah we'll get get to it um well uh evil boss woman from that oh yes lawyer that's right i haven't Um, seen that in a really long time and now i want to watch it Yes, um, it's uh, yeah. I don't remember Liar Liar very well. I remember him. It's being really peak Jim Carrey. Slapped. Yeah, it was yeah post mask, but pre Truman Show. I guess. I think so. Right? Yeah, I think so. It might even have come before before the Truman before the mask. I mean, let's see. Liar. Oh no, you're, I think you're right. 1997. I thought it was earlier than that. And the mask was, was 1994. There you go. And Truman Show was one year after, yeah. So yeah, fits just in that little window with the cable guy. Yeah, the most underrated Jim Carrey movie. I haven't seen that in forever. Just, either. just putting it out there. I bloody love the cable guy. Yeah, someone being mean and cruel and bullying Matthew Broderick for ninety minutes. One hundred percent, I'm behind that. <laughs> Watch that every day of the week. Someone just giving Matthew Broderick a swirly. Yeah, a, a full hour, uncut. That's what I want from a movie. <laughs> What's your beef with Matthew Broderick? He's just insipid, isn't he? Ferris Bueller's Day Off is a good film, but he's never it's... done anything as good as half as good as it has he. The best thing he's ever been in is that shit Godzilla movie he did in the nineties. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have no time for Matthew Broderick. I, I think he's overrated, and I think even Ferris Bueller's Day Off is not even his movie. That's what I'd say. Wait. Matthew Broderick killed two people in a car crash in 1987. Did he did. Yes, I did not know I did this. Know that. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, he did. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Matthew Broderick. From Northern Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez. Um, 
you know, he voiced Simba in The Lion King and then The Lion King 2. He returned for the sequel, the TV sequel. Adult Simba. Adult Simba, yeah. yeah. Not young Simba. No one cares about adult Simba. And then he was a terrible Inspector Gadget. Oh, oh God. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been in so much shit. He's been bad in so much shit. <laughs> the producers. Yeah, again, a, a terrible Leo Bloom in the he's producers' movie. He's in Deck the Halls 2006, which we haven't talked about, but which my dad said was rubbish. I deck his halls. <laughs> Fucking wanker. <laughs> and actually, a couple of years ago, changed his changed my dad changed his avatar you remember this to a picture of one of the characters from the film and changed his like description to deck the halls is bloody awful (laughs) (laughs) him and danny devito that's probably terrible yeah matthew broderick and also he now looks like an old man i know he is sort of an old man but he just looks oh he's 59 but yeah yeah i would not say he's aged gracefully no unfortunately it's the, the, the horror of the realisation that he was in that Inspector Gadget film. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just weighing on him. Um, is he still, is he still, mar- is he married to Sarah Jessica Parker? I think Parker? they are still right? married, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, fair enough. I'm so glad that's you nice. guys are still together. I'm very that's happy nice. for them. I'm not happy for your career, but I'm happy no. for your love. Hey, maybe he could, he could get his youth back and then somewhere in his, um, in his attic there'd be like a ravaged portrait of a cartoon Inspector Gadget. <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the producer's movie, I, I feel like one of the worst things about that is Nathan Lane is in it, who was also in the stage performance, and he is putting in so much work to make it work. And then you've got Uma Thurman and Matthew Broderick just not understanding the assignment. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, and God bless you, Nathan Lane. You're a very funny, talented man, and they did not deserve you in that film. He works very hard. And he, he was also in Mouse Hunt, which is an iconic oh, film. Oh, yes, Mouse Hunt. Yeah. You remember Mouse Hunt? I used to love that film. It was great. Did you ever play the game Mouse Hunt? No. That takes it's like a an, game? That's what it's based on, isn't it? Or is it Mouse Trap? That's Mouse Trap. Am I thinking that's of something Mouse else. Trap? That, that's Th- something else entirely. Well, I choose to believe that Mousetrap is the basis of the movie Mouse. I did play the board game Mousetrap when I was a child, yes. Where it takes like an hour to set it up, and then when the, the trap goes off, yeah, it takes like five seconds, and you're like, oh, okay. There's like a little, little mouse creeping around the board, and eventually it's going to plop into a plastic bin. Love it. This is what passed <laughs> for entertainment when we were children. I'm glad we have Netflix now. <laughs> <laughs> my son will never have to endure those five seconds waiting for that mouse to drop in he'd probably love that to be honest interestingly enough you know mouse hunt the movie <clears throat> yes um stars lee evans alongside nathan lane yes lee evans played leo bloom on stage i did know that because i saw that production ah, both of them, yes. and it was really good yeah, I saw that one as well, and he was great on stage as Leo Boom. He really did a good job. I don't know why he wasn't available for that film. He was probably too busy mopping up all the buckets of sweat that come out of him when he was on stage at the O2 or something. Have exactly. you seen how much he sweats when he's on stage? He's, he sweats an it's awful ridiculous. lot. ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm quite a sweaty man. I'm, I'm willing to admit that, but yeah. Nathan, uh, Lee Evans, very sweaty man. A, a, a sweaty fella. Yeah, I assume that someone, rather than casting lee evans outright they decided we need someone insipid and american for for leo bloom's character what's matthew broderick up to <laughs> yeah he wasn't busy 
um but that's enough shitting on matthew broderick for now we'll, br- we'll bring him up again when i want him one yeah. day on someone he couldn't have been in the print the princess switch three he would he have been terrible he would have no he wouldn't have played anybody well would he no who could he have even played no one yeah he could have played fake uh what's his fake face? tom hollander fake tom hollander but he wouldn't have done as good a job as as our boy frank no he would have crashed the car yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. Um, maybe he could have been an older crypto dude at the party. Oh, no. But also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So is is there anything else you want to say about... Uh, uh, just that at some point, someone used the metaphor of a pie crust promise, and it ended up being something really laboured, and I can't even remember what it was a metaphor for, but I liked it because it was stupid. I like a pie crust. Yeah, like it's going to crumble, I guess, was the metaphor. It's going to be filled with gravy before you know it if you don't make it strong enough. Yeah. Only people from Yorkshire know how to make a gravy pie. <laughs> a promise just like a pie crust that is easily made and easily broken. Uh, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I think... I, I like a pie. Are you a fan of a pie? I love a pie. What's your favourite pie? I, right now I'm on a big mince pie trip. Me and Eric have been oh, making them, you? and he's enjoying them a lot. I'm enjoying them a lot. It's, yeah, it's good, but I, you can't go wrong with an apple pie, can, can you? I mean, that's a standard answer, but I, I also feel like it's important to recognize that sweet and savory pies are two very different things, and I don't think it's fair to choose one over the other. So what would be your sweet pie, and what would be your savory pie? <laughs> well, sweet, I take apple. Savory? Uh, my granny used to make a nice beef pie, and, mm. like you know, with sort of, like, strips of tender beef in it and a sort of brown quite sweet gravy sauce that was always very good i go with that how about you oh very nice very nice yeah i think mm, i do like a a turkey and chestnut pie Ooh, that's fancy very nice yeah i'm very festive i appreciate that and very festive yeah um put a bit of sage in there Turkey chestnut tastes like Christmas. Got to love it. Turkey um, chestnut sage and <laughs> in a pie. For for um for sweet pies, would we count a pecan pie as a pie? Yeah, yeah. So it's I called do pecan like a, pie, but yeah, I get what you mean. It's all in, it's structured more like a tart, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's it's not really a. When I think of pies, I think of them being covered. Yeah, and then tarts as uncovered. But yeah, so I like a pecan pie. If we're thinking a more traditional one, yeah, you can't beat an apple or an apple and blackberry. Um, is always good. Um, so yeah, gotta love a pie. If we don't like, if you don't like pies, we don't want you listening to our. Don't listen to our show if you don't like pies. We we bloody love pies. Big boys do pie. Big boys do pie. That'll be our spin-off show. We we rate pies. (laughs) We rate. We get. We travel around the country to pie restaurants and and try their pies. Do you think the um, the handsome lover in this film, Mr. Mr. Peter Maxwell, do you think he enjoys a pie? No. No. He gets as far as a sausage roll. Doesn't seem he's like t- a pie guy, does he? He's too on the go to appreciate a pie. Because pies have got to be piping hot, and then you've got to let them cool down. And he's not got time for that. He's, a, he's a sausage roll man. He's got a, he's got a Greg sausage roll on the go in, in one hand. Hasn't got the is, patience for a pie. No, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, one floor of his character, no pie patience. <laughs> it's like a pie patience promise. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, anything else you want to you wanna share? 
Um, no, just the, it's it's good. It's fun. It's it's enjoyable. It's a lovely start to the festive season. If you wanna if you wanna watch it, if you want something inconsequential and fun, I mean, you kind of know what you're getting, and it is predictable. But it's 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 a goofy good time, and that's what we're here for. Exactly, exactly. It's a it's a fun one, isn't it? Very fun. Yeah. So yeah, it gets the thumbs up from us. Excellent. So how are we going to rate this bad boy? Uh, let's see. How many pies are you going to bake when the Pope comes round to get the star that was the thing that they stole in the film or whatever? Because <laughs> no one really cares what it was about. It's just I, As soon as that thing appeared, they were like, this cool special star is being delivered. I was like, that's going to get stolen. It's a MacGuffin that's going to get nicked. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bake 14 pies. Yes, seven. I would do seven, the same. Seven turkey, seven apple. Seven turkeys. Yes, I would agree with that. Ah, <laughs> oh, excellent stuff. Very good. Um, so yeah, so the what, link the link between liar liar and the, the film we're going to watch next is my main 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 man, Kerry Elwes, of course, who I love. Oh, excellent. Who is. And absolutely iconic in Liar Liar as the kind of trying to be cool and down with the kid stepdad who's really, really trying. Watch out, it's the claw. <laughs> it's, oh, I, I love him in that film so much. And he's a brilliant, brilliant actor. And he's in this playing an old Scottish man, I think, in um, a film called A Castle for Christmas, which is a new Netflix one about a young woman going to stay in a castle for Christmas with an angry Scottish man played by Carrie Elwes. What could go wrong? I'm I'm so excited to watch this. It looks so good. It it genuinely looks like our perfect Christmas film. So I'm <laughs> I'm really stoked for this. Exactly. Cool, brilliant stuff. All right. Well, um, thanks very much for tuning in. We hope you hope you enjoyed or will enjoy the the Princess Switch Three: Romancing the Star. Um, there's a link in our show notes to where you can give us money. It's just kind of like a tip jar. You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod on email Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail and we will be be back next week to talk about a castle for Christmas. Alrighty, bye bye. Bye bye. Oh, we're gonna bone in the snow. We're gonna get hot and steamy in the cold. Get those marshmallows toasting, cause we'll be roasting while we bone in the snow.